0: Thank you to those joining us today. We've got a great group of panelists talking about business strategy sort of in this crisis time. The theme is how to survive, then thrive. I'll ask each of our five panelists to introduce themselves, then we'll keep this relatively short and to the point. Each panelist will talk about the three or four best thoughts on business survival today, uh, continuing on and then what recovery looks like and what hopefully thriving looks like. Um, it, it, let me start by asking each of our panelists to introduce themselves. We've got five today. Holly Buckley, a partner at McGuire Woods. Tom Gimble, the founder and CEO of LaSalle Network. It's uh, built an extraordinary business. Kristen Berger, brilliant sort of business development leader at McGuire Woods. Michelle Byer, who is a, a – Michelle Beyer's who – runs conference business a management business uh, also does a ton of outsourced work for all kinds of associations and businesses and and finally Rick Levin who's a CEO of a originally a real estate auction company and then got into the technology angel investing world and, and does a number of separate private investments through a fund he started to start help to form uh, plus owns lots of different real estate Holly, let me start with you. You head up the Healthcare and Life Sciences Department at McGuire Woods. You see a lot of different stuff. Can you take a moment to introduce yourself?
1: Thank you, Scott, and thanks for having me here today. Um, I'm Holly Buckley. I'm a partner with the McGuire Woods office um, in Chicago. Um, in the healthcare group, spend a lot of my time focusing on healthcare private equity transactions, and I'm also co-chair of the Healthcare and Life Sciences industry team.
2: Thank you, Holly. Come. Thanks, Scott. I am Tom Gimbel. As Scott said, I'm founder and CEO of a national recruiting and staffing firm by the name of LaSalle Network that I started 22 years ago. We've got, we're about $100 million in revenue. We have about 250 recruiters who work for us, and we focus on placing people who do supply chain technology, accounting and finance, and then we also have call centers, administrative, and HR and marketing and sales positions as well magnificent.
0: And I know you've doubled that business over the last several years. Just an amazing growth run. Christian, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Thank you, Scott. Uh, I, Christian Berger, I'm a senior advisor at McGuire woods. My job is to find clients that buy companies value between 20 million and 500 million. I've been with the firm five years in that time. We've gone from a relatively unknown firm, uh, to uh, last year, we were a top five and firm nationally for both deals under $500 million and under $50 million. And uh, we were named Law Firm of the Year by Mergers and Acquisitions Magazine two years ago.
0: Christian, thank you very much. And I've seen what you've done as a non-lawyer professional to help build the entire firm, which is a Fortune 30 law firm. Fantastic. M- Michelle, take a moment and tell us about yourself.
4: Thank you so much, Scott. My name is Michelle Byers, and I am the owner of Montra Meetings, which is a medical education and conference company. Um, we've been in business for almost 20 years now, um, and we have had a whole lot of exciting changes in our business model that um, I'm just thrilled that you've requested that we present on this panel today, because you know some of the things that I've learned I would have never looked at if we wouldn't have been faced with this adversity, and um you know it's it's been quite an exciting time um and and actually very positive so thank you
0: thank you and Michelle's an incredibly competent person and leader, so we're thrilled to have you on. Rick, take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us about the couple different hats that you wear
5: thanks Scott. Um, I have been in the real estate and personal property auction business for the last uh, 30 years and have done thousands of real estate auctions for hundreds of entities, Bank of America and Chase and the postal service and the IRS and the secret service and U S customs and U S army all over the United States and a little bit outside of the country. Uh, so that's my real estate auction hat firm is Rick Levin and associates. And as Scott mentioned, um, About four or five years ago, I started a firm called Ranch Ventures, and we started – it's based uh, in Carmel, California, and we started investing in early-stage startup companies and uh, have uh, had a lot of success with our first fund and are working on our second investment fund for that.
0: Well, congratulations, and I've watched your businesses grow over the years, and simply fantastic. Tom, why don't I start with you? take a moment and talk about the three to four things businesses should be doing now in this challenging time or business leaders should be doing now.
2: Thanks, Scott. So, you know, It really depends on the variety of business, whether you're a service business or manufacturing or distribution, technology, what have you. And it also depends on your client, client allocation. Are you an 80-20 company where 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers, or do you have a more diverse portfolio? So I, I start with those codicils just to say um, that or prefacing comments to say it really does depend but across companies really being visual and being in the line of sight of your employees is crucial so from personal experience for the past six weeks every single morning at 10 a.m I host a Zoom call. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 25 minutes, but every single employee in my company sees my face and hears my voice. And sometimes it's repetitive, sometimes it's boring, sometimes it's it's motivating. Some, you know, it, it really runs the gambit. But they never doubt that I'm there, that I'm in the trenches, that I'm available, and that I am leading this company. And I think them seeing and hearing leadership is so important. The second thing I think is personal reach outs. And my goal is 10 a day via text, via video, Zoom, or uh, email or a phone call. But I try to reach out to 10 rank and file folks every day for, you know, it takes 30 seconds to write a text. Hey, thinking about you, hope you and your family are are healthy. And then number three is making sure that, uh, I don't know if you guys read the, the Bob Iger autobiography, but he quotes his predecessor. Michael Eisner who said to him when he took over you know something Bob micromanagement is highly underrated and I think in this day and era that we're in that the ability for executives to get in and micromanage on client interaction and client acquisition and revenue areas is highly underrated leaders need to be where the front line is and making sure that people are doing everything they can to get new revenue in the door so I,
0: I, I love that, and just to summarize really quickly, being in the line of sight of employees and being close every every day, the second is staying in close touch, and third is even in a $150 million business a year, closely, closely involved, knowing what's going on, not driving your people crazy, but really helping and being involved and really knowing you know, where everything is at, what's going on, and how do you help customers uh, and how to help your people is is fantastic. Um, it, it, Tom, anything you wanted to add to that?
2: No, I, th- those are really the, the basics, Scott, and a, and a better summary than I probably said it. But the, the key is this, uh, nobody uh, is perfect. And so to have double and triple checks and to have the most senior person in your organization on the phone with your most important customers or prospects, who better to close the business? And you're, you're, we're fighting for our lives. And even if business is good today, it may not be good in this economy in three months. And we've got to fight every single day, and people need to know that you're in the trenches. Fantastic,
0: Holly. Some of what you're saying is you have two different roles. You you work really close with a lot of the firms, private equity funds, and portfolio companies, but then you also run a team at McGuire Woods. It's a very large team in trying to keep that busy, that group busy, and working and growing business and so forth, and providing great services. So, Holly, what are your three or four thoughts on how things continue to to sort of go?
1: Yeah, and I think the points that have already been made are all all great. And I think one of the specific things that was said is uh, these companies are fighting for their lives. And I think that's incredibly true. And I think there's a, a tough balance. And this kind of goes to my first point um, in terms of ensuring liquidity and the ability to continue on while making sure there's still a business to come back to um, once things get going again. And so I think it's just really important for... Uh, companies to be super aggressive about pre- preserving liquidity, cutting expenses where they can, and really managing cash, um, but not going too far and to the extent that when you do want to open the doors back again and get going, that you don't have a workforce left, you don't have an office, you don't have contracts, you don't have customers, and so really trying to to strike that balance, right, and I think it's something a lot of folks have been struggling with, but, but trying to do the right thing. Um, the next one i think is just really trying to be realistic and proactive and i think that's incredibly difficult in this climate given how unprecedented the situation is and also um, how the government has been allocating funds um it is going i think as quick, quickly as possible but it means a lot of the programs are coming out without a ton of guidance um, and and having to do some catch up on those so being proactive is very challenging But to the extent companies can kind of look um, to the longer term and map out different scenarios in terms of kind of short, medium and long term and and how should we be thinking about this and how should we be uh, planning on opening back up and what's that going to look like. The third point is really around kind of, Scott, your point in terms of managing a team and maybe more of the interpersonal dynamic And I think it's important to recognize that for everyone, this is incredibly challenging and for different people in different ways. And everyone has had to adjust to a new way of doing things. Um, And for some people, it means a lot less of the normal type of work they're doing. Uh, For others, it means, you know, frankly, no work to do at all. And I think trying to keep the team engaged so that, again, when things get going again, you're not only... Ready and able to deal with work, but maybe better and stronger than before. So how do we use this time to do some potential, um, you know, building and uh, sorting out resources and keeping people focused and mentally active. Um, and connected so that we're ready to go at the end of this. And I think along with that, it's just giving people a bit of grace and knowing that not not everyone is gonna have their best day every day, uh, given how challenging this is, um, and that some days are gonna suck, and it's gonna take a little bit to kind of get through it. So uh, I think that's my core advice.
0: Thank you. So what I got from you was three core things, sort of this liquidity, but not cutting things so deeply that you're not able to recover. The second was this you know, proactive and realistic. So, like, what does headcount really need to be? What do customers really need to do in terms of cutting costs to be able to survive, to be in a position to thrive again? And then third, this recognition, and I heard Tom say it well on an earlier podcast of managing teams very, very closely, Holly, which you've mentioned, and understanding that there may be less productivity, but still trying to people hold people accountable within those productivity levels so that there's still this, this engine of People have to work, Understanding it's going to be very difficult and very challenging right now. And then a professional services firm, its if people aren't busy, they can get very down, very depressed. So how do you maintain morale? We'll keep on getting people's muscles going and work going. Holly, anything you wanted to add to that?
1: No, I mean, yet again, I think you uh, summarized it very eloquently. So I, I, I think that's it for now.
0: Oh, thank you. And Rick, let me turn to you, and then I'll go to Michelle and Christian. Rick, any of your thoughts on sort of the three or four things you've got to do in this position? And I know you're in multiple different businesses. Real estate auctions tend to do well in this kind of climate when things get a little tougher. The technology investing's all over the place um, in terms of the, where customers are, in terms of buying the technologies. And then you, you own lots of properties, which challenges on whether people um pay their rents and all those kinds of things. Give us your three or four tips. And I know, like Tom, you've got the caveat of people are in very different businesses. But your three or four thoughts on business and survival at this point?
5: Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, thing number one right now, I would say, is to preserve cash. Uh, it is such an uncertain world out there that uh, you have to be cognizant of what it takes you every month to stay in business. If if this gets extended a few more months, I don't know for a lot of small businesses. Is the government going to keep funding PPP and extending it? But for any business, preserving cash. And I think you also have to seriously look at cutting costs. Uh, that goes hand in hand with preserving cash, of course. And maybe you'll discover some cost cutting measures that even when we get out of this will be beneficial. For example, uh, office space. I see that 97% of Goldman Sachs workers are working from home. Maybe when the, if they're being productive, maybe when this is over, they don't need Quite as much office space uh, the next thing I think that's crucial right now is you have to be thinking about how to pivot your business for what is to come for example in the auction business we do a lot of live auctions but we also do a lot of online auctions needless to say in the next several months uh, I'm not gonna be gathering uh, 500 people in a room but I could easily gather 500 people uh, online and of course when you extrapolate that out to things like restaurants, when restaurants reopen, if it's a 150 seat restaurant, is it now 75 or 50? Uh, So those are the type of things that I think uh, we're looking at. Now, on the investment side in our fund, ironically, we have two companies that are really thriving right now. One is Quip, which is a direct-to-consumer toothbrush business. People don't wanna walk into the drugstore So you can order toothbrushes online, and uh, while they're available in a lot of stores like Target, uh, their business is doing really well. They sell you uh, replacement toothbrushes and floss and all the rest. And another one is Imperfect Produce. And Imperfect Produce, we've been investing in for a couple years. Uh, We were an early investor. They um, specialize the last few years in locating fruit and vegetables that don't look that attractive, so the major stores don't handle them. but they're fine, and they do a subscription model where they'll deliver the produce. Now they've expanded into another lot of lines of business. They'll expand that food right to your home, which, of course, uh, their business is exploding right now because people don't want to go to the grocery store. So there's also a lot of opportunities right now. You just have to be thinking about it and be smart.
0: So, Rick, I I heard really three or four things, and obviously it depends on different perspectives of businesses you're in, and I know you've done auctions for as big as the US Army, you've done auctions for you know, tobacco seized by the ATF and other things. But the things you've mentioned are cost-cutting and cash is king. At the end of the day, you can't be a business if you don't have cash. You've got to figure out if you've got to cut costs to it. Second is pivots in business models that can come with cutting costs, but can some of those survive in the long run? Um, and, and, and then really in terms of investments, looking for things that meet a niche today, and obviously, if you weren't already in these businesses, it's hard to get in them now, but constantly having your eyes open as to where the opportunities are, um, and, and, and you mentioned, you know, we, we know that the world's moved towards this delivery of razors situation, delivery of a lot of kinds of things situation, wouldn't have seen it with toothbrushes, and I know I was familiar with the success that you've had with the imperfect products business, um, anything else you'd like to add in quickly?
5: No, I think I think there's great opportunities uh, if we can get past the fear, and the fear is not only for the economy, but the fear for our own uh, personal, and our family, and our loved ones' safety. Um, you know, every day you wake up, it's uh, the analogy I've made, it's like the Titanic hitting the iceberg, and we're living it 24 hours a day, every day, so uh, you if you can if you can get comfortable with uh, your your and your loved one's safety and, and think clearly about what the opportunities are, and there are many, uh, and there are a lot of, uh, you know, tremendous landmines out there. Uh, this is, uh, you know, it's just such an unprecedented time, but great things can happen once we get past this health, uh, this tremendous health problem, you know, the scare that we're all living through the whole world.
0: Thank you very much, Rick. Michelle, you've done this brilliant job of pivoting your business really a few years ago, uh, but but even more so now because you plan a lot of in-person meetings, too. Talk about your three or four tips on how do you survive during this period of time.
4: Thank you so much, Scott. And Really, I came up with an acronym, um, more so because I kept thinking about how am I going to rise above and keep my business running and keep my employees employed. And so the acronym I came up with is RISE, which is R-I-S-E. And R stands for reach out. And Tom actually brilliantly outlined that just a few moments ago. I am absolutely mirroring everything he said about that. Reach out means to your friends, your customers, your employees, your family, your team. R stands for reach out. To me, I stands for innovate. And I think Rick was just speaking to some of that as well. But how can we pivot and pivot to do something where my example is instead of focusing on medical education conferences, but focus on medical education via webinar. And you know, what I found with doing that innovation was that not only have I Kept my employees working in my company relevant and and operating, but I have expanded my customer base and fourfold expanded my audience. This is something I wouldn't have done if I hadn't been faced with this adversity, but making an important shift has turned out to be really a, a silver lining, if I have to put it that way. So I stands for innovate. And in that innovation, is that innovation something that you now need to be putting out to market, to your customers, to your um, to your employees, um, getting them creative? Um, also, is this something that maybe you put on your resume? Um, what new skill set do you have? What is that innovation? The S in rise, in rise stands for self, and what I mean by that is get yourself ready. Get yourself right. You need the energy to perform. You need to sleep. You need exercise, healthy eating. What is it that you need to do to get yourself right so that you can actually perform to your highest level? Because as a leader, people are looking to you. So get yourself right. And then the final letter is E. And E to me stands for execute. So get yourself out there first and fast. Because opportunities are going to present themselves, but you need to be ready to execute. And so, I just came up with R I S E Rise.
0: So Michelle, fantastic! And just to summarize, I've been doing: reach out, innovate, take care of yourself, because you can't do anything unless you get yourself in a good spot to do so, and then execute. But, Michelle, how important is, has it been for you that you've doubled down on some of the niches that you're in? It, it, it's almost like Tom said, staying really close to your core customers. Holly said something similar and your core people. You've really doubled down and expanded your audience in a couple of core areas. How important is that focus been versus being all over the place?
4: It has been the difference between surviving and failing, Scott. Um, Getting focused and and not being all over the place, really kind of getting my team focused in on being able to execute quickly and efficiently and effectively um, has meant that we did not go out there and try 15 different things. We tried one, we, we looked at a couple platforms, we picked one. And then we focused on being the experts in that platform as quickly as we possibly could. So, you know, focus, I think is absolutely key.
0: And that's, that is uh, fantastic and I've seen you do it. And that's why I brought it out. because I think it's so important. Christian, you've had this magnificent role in driving a crazy amount of business development at McGuire woods, particularly in the private equity area. You came to us from another firm that merged us years ago, crazily successful. What are the three to four things you think businesses should be doing now? You also are an entrepreneur yourself. and have been invested in different things over the years. You've got different perspectives on this. Talk to us a little bit about the three or four things businesses should be doing now.
3: Thank you so much, Scott. Uh, So I have four ideas. Number one, treat this like an opportunity. Uh, Take advantage of opportunities that that are being presented directly because of COVID. That might mean things like, um, like, I don't know, cost cutting, as as Rick mentioned, re- renegotiating with vendors. If they're paying, if you're getting paid more slowly, you may need to pay vendors more slowly. Um, take advantage of government programs if you're not available. And this this one relates directly to uh, another point that I'm gonna make later, um, which, which is around knowing who your friends are. Uh, cutting customers who aren't profitable. So number one, treat this like an opportunity. Number two, Double down on your on your strengths. Your business has done well in the past because of a limited number of, or a finite number of things that you're good at, and focus on those and um, revisit them. Be a thought leader and uh, and help your um, help your constituents know that you continue to lead and and know the the market. And um, we've done that extraordinarily well at McGuire Woods and it has just created enormous uh, inflows of, of work and new relationships for us. Um, number three, know your friends and strengthen your strongest relationships. Uh, I have, as you mentioned, I've been an entrepreneur and other things. I'm currently the uh, majority investor in an infrastructure services company with over 100 employees based in Indiana. and. Um, Previously sold up an auction software business and, and a number of other investments. I have w- observed the difference between having great counsel working with me and not having great counsel. And it is uh, it's in- incredible to see the lawyers at McGuire Woods really taking a, an opportunity to um, to strengthen their strong- strongest relationships and. and the level of professionalism and expertise that we deliver. Number four is be a thought leader. So deliver deliver knowledge that is actually actually useful and actionable to your constituents, whether they're your clients, your friends, your relationship partners, uh, your I mean, your referral partners, etc.
0: And so, Chris, so let me summarize quickly because I think there's a lot to be said here. So one is Treat this as an opportunity. And and it's something that Rick said a few minutes ago, if you can get to the spot of uh, being distressed to where you can look at this as opportunities, fantastic. But you have to be able to get to that spot of feeling safe and starting to look at this as an opportunity. Second is double down on strengths and and, and constantly look at how can you double down on strengths and what you're good at. And that'll touch into your third point as well. The third point is know your most important customers, your most important relationships, your most important everything. And this is a time, well spreading your wings, to spend 70, 80% doubling down on, with making sure your top clients, your top customers, your top relationships are pleased and thrilled and things are going well. And the fourth point is being a thought leader and staying in close touch is that you got to make sure. You're actually constantly thinking and, and being in close touch with your relationships. So they really hear and feel the things that you're doing and they feel like you're there in their corner in this difficult time. Christian, anything else you wanted to add to that?
3: Yeah, just with the thought leader piece, it's incredibly important to be uh, to be valuable, to provide valuable insights. So um, for example, we, we have, realized that many people struggle to understand the the depth of the rules around applying for PPP loans, for example, and, um, and being able to simplify a very complex process into something that's like, Hey, here's how to do this. Let me know if you want to spend 15 minutes talking about it. That is how to, that's kind of how to do that. So there's lots of different ways of doing that, um, but you know, Knowing how to be useful is is sort of a core part of being a a thought leader. It
0: it can't just be. It's got to be things that people actually care about, want to know. And you have to be insightful to know what they actually want to know and what they're interested in and what's helpful to them. So thank you. Tom, let me come back to you. What does recovery look like? We'll give everybody a minute or so. What does recovery look like and how do we get to the next spot on this and what advice for people?
2: Well that's the the big unknown Scott is is the recovery period and obviously none of us are doctors and scientists and um in I'm talking to probably a half dozen CEOs every day just in within within my network and externally people are getting referred to me for uh downsizing reorg and some hiring that's going on and the overwhelming thought is the sooner, the big determining factor will be how soon there's a vaccine or treatment for for COVID-19. And so the recovery is with that and without. And my big concern and what I look at without being too much of a, of a pessimist, I like to think of myself as a happy realist, is to look at this and say the recovery could be a little bit longer than people are thinking because after this initial the PPP money comes through and the cares act and these things is that there's going to be a little bit of a cash crunch and whether it's the Reuters report on Neiman Marcus going bankrupt or we get an airline that is smaller than the big ones that are getting uh, government money or what have you is that there's going to be a cash crunch and I heard one of the other panelists say that um, as payables slowed down, then the next company may have to slow down their payables. And when we start to see uh, payments being stretched from 30 to 90 and 90 days to 120 or 150, there's going to be some companies that are in a cash crunch. So I'm a little bit nervous on a recovery come the third quarter if there's some problems. But I do agree with several of the panelists who said that does create opportunities for other firms. It does create opportunities for companies that have managed their cash. It does create opportunities that haven't siphoned every bit of profit out of the business. Those are the types of things that's going to create a lot of opportunity to take advantage in this situation of recovery. Tom, thank you. I mean,
0: the recovery is uncertain, and you have to look at the recovery through a COVID-19 continuing to be a debacle situation and it not. You also have to understand this cash issue is going to be an ongoing challenge for a while, because even if recovery picks up, it'll be a while until the dollars start to flow from that business recovering. And so uh, I think a really good perspective. Anything you wanted to add to that?
2: no I, I think that's that's really it we can We can live i guess th- there's one thing I did We can live in fear or we can take advantage you know the the, the cliche that I think Rahm Emanuel said a long time ago is you never want to waste a good crisis and and I agree with that the The key is everybody's working differently, so phase one was emotionally scared phase two was getting adjusted to working from home. Phase three is how do you motivate people to keep going in that capacity and then phase four is where's the opportunity and I'll I'll just share with everybody what I tell my company every single day have all of our competitors gone out of business and if the answer is no which is obviously the answer then there's still market share for us to take and we can either give up and we can cry or we can go after that market share because it is there we've just got to find it 100%
0: 100% and it's a great perspective and it's going to be a challenging year and then trying to survive and thrive after that is really the the core I think and you're right everybody's not going out of business got to stay as positive as possible and look towards how do we thrive after this sort of gets a little better how are your thoughts how do you get ready to, to thrive again and what does that look like?
1: Sure and um Uh, I think similarly, I I don't claim to be a a physician or a scientist, but um, uh, I I do think this is going to be kind of a long, um, protracted um, episode with some kind of peaks and troughs. We heard from the CDC yesterday that phase two may be worse than phase one um, as it hits at the beginning of flu season. And so um, I do think this is going to be going for a long time. And I think I look at this a bit more from the lawyer perspective. in that we need to look at our contracts and our business operations and really make sure we're protecting ourselves. Uh, if this does happen again, when I say us, I'm talking about our clients. And so where we've got employment agreements and other commitments, we need to be able to potentially get away from them or at least um, have some uh, grace around them to the extent things are bad or become worse again later in the year so I think a lot of what we're focusing on is looking at our documents and seeing what we need to do to change them and plan for what may happen in 612 or even frankly 18 months um, with this thing until it's really uh, gone away and then thinking about other things like this that may come in the future. So a little more negative but I think that is also an important area to think about.
0: No absolutely and I think we all hope that We're not back in lockdown in the fall. what a debacle that would be professionally, personally, economically and everything. And then trying to see opportunities in that situation and a fascinating situation. Christian, let me go to you and then I'll come back to Michelle and Rick. What does recovery look like? What do you got to do to be
3: ready for it? Thanks, Scott. Let's see. Um, First of all, there's not an on-off switch right now. Uh, We're going to be on a continuum somewhere between staying at home to regular working for some, you know, distant period of time until we have a vaccine until, you know, we have some certainty around how to control COVID-19. Um, so even if authorities told us tomorrow, we could go to the movies, not many people would uh, the world is not going to be going back to normal. So, We need to be conservative in our behavior and in our modeling. So um, veering toward excess liquidity. For example, one of our private equity clients is considering taking on extra debt for the sole purpose of having an abundance of extra liquidity. They have more liquidity than they would have thought they needed, but they're considering taking on more right now. Um, and, and
0: explain that, Chris, explain that for a second. We've seen people do that, private equity funded clients that have reached under their revolver, they've never touched a revolver before, explain why they do that. I know it's very simple, but explain it quickly, because I think it's important for people to know on the liquidity side.
3: Yeah, so when when there's a liquidity crunch, your options go away very quickly. And so that's when a bank can turn off your access to uh, to your credit facility, that's when Um, your vendors stop shipping product Um, that's when you know you start getting into situations where you're not going to make payroll Um, that's when you start losing sleep in a very major way and uh, and so you know the the companies that are are really thinking about we, we see private equity clients that out of an abundance of caution are just thinking okay if this were to go on for 12 months or 18 months, and we're going to have a period of, uh, you know, financial um, uncertainty or or uh, dislocation, how can we protect ourselves? And and so that's what they're thinking about. Yeah,
0: and and essentially, once you get in bad enough shape, you can't get your revolver because they won't give it to you. So people try and get it now before they're out of compliance and they can't get the revolver just to make sure they've got liquidity. And it it might be the same thing with lending. It's perverse that you want to get loans when you might be in trouble, but you got to get them beforehand. Because Once you're actually in trouble, you can't access them and then you really do run out of cash, which everybody's talked about. You better have cash. Um, Michelle, your quick thoughts on recovery and what it looks like. And do you think it'll just be all virtual for a couple of years? What's your sense of that?
4: Wow, that's a great question, Scott. And, you know, I think that the what recovery looks like to me is being as flexible as possible. Um, and I do see that or in my experience that conferences will come back. I think we'll see some of that, but I don't think it will come back in the way that it looked like before. So I do believe that virtual will grow, um, but I believe that on the other hand, um, you know, the the things that we used to do will also come back, but they might look a little different. And I think that just remaining as flexible as we could possibly be to what that difference is going to be um, will serve us all well moving forward in the future. Uh, this, the other is that I think that the future looks for all of us business leaders to be as as opportunistic as we can be while being sensitive. And what I mean by that is seeing opportunities, going for opportunities that make sense, but also understanding that there may be things going on with our clients, with our customers, with our employees that we've never had to Work through with before. And, um, you know, again, it's it's making some pretty important business decisions, um, but then also understanding that, you know, we we can remain friends with people, but we may not be able to do business with them if they're not paying their bills and being sensitive about why that is, but also sensitive to the business need. Um, We're going to just have to be globally more sensitive. And um, that's a brave new world for some of us.
0: Right. Certainly, some of us are built to be more sensitive than others. Some of us, some of us like myself, have to work on those muscles, that sensitivity <laughs> muscles, so we appreciate that greatly, Michelle. Hey, Scott, I
2: can your- I add something? Please. So it's Tom again. I think the other thing is, um, everybody. This isn't like the the financial crisis in '09 or even '911, where. Uh, Some companies were doing better than others for the most part The majority of companies are either not doing as well or their horizon may not look as bright You've got to be honest with your clients and your vendors when they ask to stretch things out or they want payment sooner and to say I'm in the same boat as you are and we're not a bank and it's really hard. Let's figure out a way. And it may be discounting uh, an invoice to get paid right away or charging a little bit more to get it paid over time. But you've got to create a sense of empathy. And, and the, other, the other real challenge as a leader, internally and externally, is vulnerability. And this is a crisis that no one, not the billionaires, not Bill Gates and and Warren Buffett, nobody's been through anything like this. So nobody knows. And anybody who acts like they do, they're lying. And your staff will know that and your clients will know that. So admit that you don't know. And that will instill more confidence in people to follow you than anything else you could possibly say.
0: No, I think that's right on. And, and for those of us that were in the middle of the 2008 crises, this is so different because that was a liquidity and banking crisis. It wasn't a complete country depression recession crisis. And so the fixes in hindsight seem simple there. They injected $700 billion into the banking system. We created liquidity again and things recovered. Here it touches every single aspect of American business Um, And and perversely, even the healthcare sector, which is so busy, is doing all the things they don't make money in. So everybody is hurt, so that empathy with your customers and everybody is so true. Rick, I'm going to ask you a, 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 a simple question, not simple, a hard question, but in a simple way. You're in three different businesses. The auction business, the technology investment business, and the real estate rental business. You're really in three businesses. When you look at those three businesses, tell us which one coming out of this type of situation you're most bullish on versus least bullish on, just your quick sense of them.
5: Well, technology businesses, again, they have to focus in areas that uh, could thrive here. Obviously, we're seeing things like Amazon and Netflix um, or or Zoom, right? Uh, So that's an easy one on technology. Uh, In the case of... Uh, the real estate business—that is a much more complex problem. I would say that uh, your second home, far away from people, uh, that would be a real uh, good real estate uh, opportunity right now. The downside is things like a shopping center. If you owned a retail center and your anchors were Neiman Marcus—I think I don't know if it was Tom or Christian—Neiman Marcus and Macy's. Uh, what is your shopping center worth today? And what could you possibly finance it for or sell it for? And who's going to buy it and at what price they're going to pay? So there's going to be a lot of upheaval in real estate. And as I mentioned, office. If it turns out that people, uh, companies have always been fearful to let employees work from home because they wouldn't be very productive. But if it turns out that people indeed are productive from home and companies can save a lot of money on expensive real estate space, that could be a whole new paradigm for um for, uh, the, you know, for businesses and their cost structure. Another piece of real estate, of course, is warehouses. If it turns out, as I think I read the president of the National uh, Grocery Store Association is considering uh, asking grocery stores to close because people, employees are getting sick, maybe warehouses will become even that much more valuable. Amazon has made them very valuable already and we'll all be shipping things and not really going out uh, to stores to purchase things. So there is so much potential upheaval here. And some of the things that concern me are this, I believe this recovery will be slow. The setbacks, which are inevitable, I'm concerned about the psychological toll. Uh, we send all the kids back to school and after three weeks they have to stop and go back home in the fall. That's going to be a tremendous price to pay on, um, on us all, candidly.
0: It, no, I think that's right. I mean, the, the people are used to structure. This has created great challenges in the structure to be able to find structure. The real estate opportunities are fast because they're all over the place, but they're very brutal and bleak. Well, in well
5: it's got into that to that point. You know, if you were living in a very nice 500 unit apartment building downtown in some major city and you have to push the elevator buttons and you have to get in an elevator where someone just sneezed before you got in. All of a sudden, your two million dollar penthouse uh, isn't as attractive. Can I bring one other point up, though? Which uh, do, do we have time for one other point?
0: Yeah, we we got thirty seconds.
5: Oh, okay. You know, I think a very hard, hard decision that our society is going to have to make in the months ahead is economy versus lives, and and I don't envy the politicians that have to start going into these areas about. Um, this terrible, terrible virus, and the cost it's taking on our, on our lives, but also on our economy, and, and how we're gonna get through yeah. it.
0: No, it's a fascinating and challenging question, and it's, it's one that it, it, the right and left can't even seem to convene to discuss, because things are so politicized and so narrative-driven on both sides. It's very hard to even get to those discussions. They're very real questions. Um, I wanna thank our panel today, um, Holly Buckley, Tom Gimble, Christian Berger, Michelle Byers, and Rick Levin. Thank you so much. We'll have this out, um, you know, uh, distributed in the next week or so. But we appreciate all of you joining us, as always. Just great insights and thoughts. Thank you very much.
4: Thank you, Scott. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, Scott. Uh, Thanks, Scott. Thank you. And Jeremy Corr, our producer, thank you very much as well. Just magnificent work, as always. Fantastic. Thank you.